This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Uh, this particular message strikes me at a point of application that is very, very important right now. And that is, you know, I've been aggressively sharing the gospel, delivering the truth uh, for a long time now. Okay, we're closing in on 30 years of doing it strongly, uh, aggressively. And if you were to analyze the effectiveness of Eric Ludi's ministry or Eric and Leslie Ludi's ministry and say, okay, let's look at the culture from when they started and now how much of an influence have they made? And the discouragement begins to ebb over me to say, actually, the world is worse. The church is weaker ever since I started. And so what does the enemy say? Give up. And so there's been a heavy-duty movement, and it's not uncommon. I've had waves of this throughout the years. It's like, what you're doing means nothing. It doesn't change anything. And so that's where this message comes in, because even my soul needs to hear this afresh. And I'm calling it the 69th attempt, which will make sense, and I'll sort of make sense of that even as we uh, kick off. But uh, consider the ant. In Proverbs, uh, King Solomon says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. So let's consider her ways. Uh, Tamerlane, the famed military leader, he was a tactician, like a military tactician, and his mind regarding military strategy was famed and renowned. Uh, and so this is what he said as part of his understanding. Now, I'm not a guy who would support and want you to go following Tamerlane, okay? However, this observation of his had a significant impact upon my life. I once was forced to take shelter from my enemies in a ruined building where I sat alone many hours. Desiring to divert my mind from my hopeless condition, I fixed my eyes on an ant that was carrying a grain of corn larger than itself up a high wall. I numbered the efforts it made to accomplish this object. The grain fell 69 times to the ground, but the insect persevered, and the 70th time it reached the top. This sight gave me courage at the moment, and I will never forget the lesson. For some reason, that speaks a language to my soul that I need to hear, that I feel like, how many times can I keep carrying this grain of corn? Because it seems to be fruitless. Could you imagine what it would feel like if you were that ant and you've picked up that grain of corn, which is this massive grain of corn. I mean, what business do you have carrying that grain of corn? You're this little dinky ant. And yet you're going to carry that massive vision and calling? You th who do you think you are? And so you carry it up and you're, I mean, you're laboring. Who knows how long it takes an ant to go through this process, right? And then at that one point, you're about three quarters up and, and the grain of corn falls. And where does it land? Right where it started. Or maybe even further away. <laughs> I mean, that's somewhat disheartening. I don't know if any of you have gone through a process like that, but it definitely can cause you to give up 
this process because this is fruitless. Instead, this ant goes down and picks up this grain of corn and starts again. Now, maybe ants aren't gifted with the human capacity of despair, and maybe that's their secret. However, we as humans have a vulnerability, and that is that we can easily give up. And yet, in the Christian life, it's the devil that wants to play upon that string. God, the Spirit of God never says give up. The Spirit of God is not desiring us to you know, roll over and play dead. The Spirit of God is saying, keep going. However, there's a very strong movement against our soul in that 69th attempt. Could you imagine even going 69 times up the side of this wall with that grain of corn? Because when that grain of corn falls, it goes back where it started, and you feel like you've accomplished nothing. And yet, he persevered in the 70th time it reached the top. That's, that's the language of soul I need right now. I, there are certain things in my life that have felt improbable and impossible, and I have continued. And I've gone down and picked up that grain of corn. It's like, no, nope, we're doing this again. But how many times do you do it? Because the culture seems to still be going the wrong direction. The church is weakened. What's your whole purpose, Eric? What are you after? Well, I want to see the church revived. I want to see the strength of Christianity regained in this generation. Well, you sure aren't doing much uh, good to, to see that end. And that's the way I feel oftentimes. However, I can't go on a feeling. I want to go on the truth of Jesus Christ. The 69th attempt up the high wall. Now, when you're on that 69th attempt, I just want you to think through this. Now, you know that on the 70th attempt, this ant's going to make it. Right? He's carrying his grain of corn up to the top. He's going to make it on the 70th attempt. However, he doesn't know that. It could be 69 more for all he knows. However, when you reach that 69th attempt, where are you actually at? Yeah, the grain may fall, but guess what? The next time he's going to get it. But that 69th attempt in many of our lives is where the greatest forces come against us to say, give up. So the 69th attempt up the high wall is the razor's edge of breakthrough. The guy is right there at the razor edge of breaking through this whole thing. And yet it's the place where the bait of despair is the most alluring to the soul. You are most vulnerable to giving up, to despairing, right at the cusp of breakthrough. So for all of us, we can appropriate that in different ways. Because it doesn't need to be that you're despairing of going to heaven someday, you know, and it's like, it's, it's so bad because you've sinned so great and you don't even want to continue anymore. For many of us, it doesn't have to be an extreme issue. It could be the subtle things in our life. Like you've decided that you're going to stand and pray for a very specific thing. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and nothing has changed. That grain of corn seems to be further away. Have you ever noticed that when you stand for things, sometimes they go worse before they get better? That's a weird phenomenon right? Because I thought prayer was supposed to change things. Instead, everything in the natural realm seems to go the opposite direction. And so it can be discouraging, which is its whole point. The enemy wants to stop momentum. He wants to undermine. You really do. I don't know if you've remembered this, but you have an enemy, and he seeks to devour you. And he plays circumstances against you, and then he whispers conclusions that he wants you to have, but they don't come from the Spirit of God. I don't know if you've ever seen this word in the Greek. If you have a history with Ellerslie, this is a funny word. We have a long history with this word. And for the longest time, I think for the first three or four years, I mispronounced it. 
So I put the pronunciation guide up here for my sake because I have mispronounced this word for years. But it's ekakeo. Ekakeo. Is that right? Ekakeo. Yes. Okay, there I am. Okay, I got it. Now, I don't want to say how I used to pronounce it because that would just get me back in that old rut. This is a fascinating word because I'm going to give you what it means for us today. And this is an accurate definition, but you wouldn't find this if you went to Strong's Concordance. To give up, to let go of the grain of corn, to cease trying. Okay, that's what this word is. That's what it would mean in light of our context today. It's actually what it means. It means weak of spirit, you know, wanting to flop to the ground and just let go of your weaponry. So Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and to not faint. Now, in another translation, it's going to say to lose heart. You know what word that is? They should not give way to ekakeo. Boy, that is really hard for me to say correctly. So men ought always to pray and not to give way to ekakeo. You know, I do good with my Greek except for this one word. Why do I have to bring it into a message? So, same scripture. You notice in the parentheses, I'm adding a little luster each time. Men ought always to pray and not to set down the grain of corn. So, for each of us in our individual life, there are things that God has given us a burden for. He says, I want you to get this piece of corn and I want you to carry it here. Now, that's going to look different for each of us. The grain of corn might look a little different and the wall might be a little different and the height might be a little different, but all of us have had burdens. We've had very clear sightings of what God is asking of us and what he's asking us to do. And for some of us, it's like, hey, I want you to start sharing the gospel with people. And why is it that when we take our first step forward, we're smacked across the face with some very awkward experience, like someone laughs at us or some strange thing happens, and we find ourselves recoiling. We still see the grain of corn there. We know where we were supposed to take it, but we have these reasons why that is uh, not the appropriate thing to do anymore. I have so many things like this in my life that, have, that I've found myself creating a magnetism the opposite direction from and I don't, I'm not attracted to it because when I touched it, it hurt me. So Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap. Let us not be weary in carrying this grain of corn for in due season you will reach the top if we do not stop carrying the corn up the high wall. If we do not faint. That's ekakeo. Did I get that right? Okay, now you guys are the ones that know the right way of saying it, so you have to keep helping me. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 13, Paul says, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not give up. Now, this is Eric Ludi adding in, in parentheses. Do not give up even though you've done it 69 times only to see that heavy grain of corn fall to the ground. What is that thing you have set out to do for God? So I just want you to evaluate what your piece of corn is today. Now, I can't define that for you. Those are things that God in his own special way, communicates to us and lays before us burdens, very specific assignments where he gives us a piece of corn. Like for Leslie and I, we have things as an illustration with our family, with our children. 
that it's like fight for this. Fight to see this happen. And then you fight. You fight and you fight. And then, <clears throat> you know, come on. You know, you can't just keep fighting, right? But what you do is you stop. You could be on the 69th attempt, but, and, oh, it seems so heavy right now. And so as a result, there's a fresh resolve to ratify, to rehearse and remember what God has asked, but not just that, who it is that accomplishes this, who it is that gives the grace to do it. You're looking in your own pockets right now saying, I just have nothing left. Well, I don't care what you have. What does he have? He has everything you need for life and godliness, everything you need to get that grain of corn up the wall. But it's been 69 times. I don't care. Pick up that grain of corn afresh in the power of the Holy Spirit and do it. So what is that thing you have set out to do for God? Remember the calling? The grand commission, that eagerness and zeal that bubbled within you because the Holy Spirit was personally equipping you to do an impossible thing. You knew in the beginning it was impossible. Remember that? Remember your reflection upon it? Like there's only one way that this could be done and that would be by the power of the Holy Spirit. So why is it now you're looking at it saying, well, it's impossible, it can't be done? Because it was impossible to start with. But you knew in the beginning that God was the God of the impossible. But somehow in this process, you're now focusing on with man it is impossible. That's the part of the scripture you remember. You need to remember the other half which says, but with God all things are possible. Remember that passion that you had? Remember that resolution? Remember that love that coursed through your being for the lost, the dying, the poor, the least? Remember how you set out to help the orphan? Remember how you set out to serve the poor? Remember how you set out to preach the gospel to at least one person every day? Where did this resolve go? Where did your passion fly off to? The arguments of the devil. He's pretty good at that. <clears throat> so, now these aren't direct quotes, but they might as well be. I, mean, I can't tell you. What, the devil doesn't have a lot of creativity. So if we were to compare notes on the quotations he gives to you, we'd find that there's often a lot of similarities, except for mine include the name Eric, and yours may not. That would be really awkward if he called you Eric, and then he's like a dead giveaway. Wait a minute, who's talking to me then? Because uh, oftentimes we think it's our own thoughts. But the devil's presenting, I mean, just a, a stream of notions to us to try and counteract the truth of Jesus in our life. What has come of all this toil? I mean, think about it. Ask the ant. Okay, so you've been working, who knows, all day long, all week long. I don't know how long it took him to do this 69 times. So ant, as the grain of corn is further away from the wall than when it started, right? What has come of all your toil? To think of what the ant would have to acknowledge. Nothing. I'm worse off, right? I'm further from my goal than ever before. What difference has been made after all the grain of corn is sitting right where it started? If after 69 attempts that grain of corn is still languishing on the dirt floor, why should you expect that the 70th attempt would prove any different? Hmm. Those are pretty good arguments, guys. I mean, I, I could see why we would give up. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty logical. Set down this burden. This calling, this commission from God, it's simply too heavy for a man to carry. And you could stick woman in there if it helps. God knows you tried. He understands that there is a point where a man can't continue. Now remember who's talking. That isn't God. God doesn't understand that there's a point where a man can't continue. God makes it very clear that there never comes a point 
where you can't continue. God always supplies what we need to finish the race. God does not miscarry. God does not abort. He brings all that he begins unto completion. So therefore, God supplies all that is required to bring us to an end. That is not God talking. So what does the word of God say? It says, don't set down that grain of corn. Now I know these are par- paraphrases. You can, at the very end, I have Luke 18.1, which is what we've already gone through. In other words, do not give way to Oh, great. Uh, Galatians 6, 9, 2 Thessalonians 3, 13, and Philippians 4, 13, which is I'm just about to read. In summary, do not set down that grain of corn, Ludi. You can stick in your name. Pick it up once again and start climbing. Don't listen to your body, your feelings, that cacophony of naysayers or that wily devil. But rise up, little ant. Pick up that burden afresh and go at it one more time, knowing that it is your God that gives you strength for climbing high walls just like this one. So Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You stare at that grain of corn, at that high wall, you discredit all the enemy's notions, you look at that grain of corn, you evaluate yourself, and you say, I'm not able. Wait a minute, but I do know someone who is. And he has promised that I can do it if he supplies the strength. Do you believe that God will supply the strength for you to fulfill the task that he has given you? An exhortation. So I'm going to talk to three different types of people here, and all of us could be in a different set. Because some of you, like myself, are at a place of resolve, where you're like, I'm picking up the corn. I'm going back up that wall. I don't care if 69 times it has fallen, and it seems further away now than it ever has. So I'm at a place where, the message is reinforcing something that I've already arrived at, right? But some of the other options I have been hanging out in recently, (laughs) I've been struggling with despairing, discouraging notions over the past months. It's been a hard journey in doing what I do. However, the guy standing before you is freshly resolved. So for those of you that currently have that grain of corn on your back, and are fresh and feisty with faith and resolve, I'm speaking to you, go for it, start climbing the high wall, and if the grain of corn falls to the ground, pick it back up and climb again, and again, and again, and again, until you reach the top, don't stop, don't quit, don't grow weary in well-doing, don't faint, don't give up. And now there's another group of people. For those of you that currently have that grain of corn on your back, but are discouraged, in other words, you're doing it, but you're not doing it with a, feisty faith. You're not doing it with a growl, an excitement, a smile on your face, knowing that God will be faithful. You're doing it because you know you're supposed to do it, but you really have lost heart in this process. Grit your spiritual teeth and head back up that high wall. Do it with an anticipation that God will break through. You may be on, the hard part is you could be on attempt number 32. Okay, and you you don't like to hear that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's 70, and I'm on only 32? It's good that God doesn't tell us which round we're on and how further. All he says is, keep going. You see, every exercise up that wall is actually strengthening us. 
we don't see the strength. It's when, when, you're, when Leslie was pregnant uh, with Hudson, we were learning all about uh, pregnancy and delivery. And there's these things, they're like false labor, or I don't know if that's the official term, they're called Braxton Hicks contractions. For those of you that have never uh, been pregnant or all the guys and you're like, what in the world are you talking about? You get to know these things. It's, it's whether you call it fun, I don't know. But it's interesting because the question that comes is, why does a woman have to go through this? Uh, this because it's not necessarily fun. It's, I mean, all, all the labor, all the, uh, the strains, the labor pains, it's like, what, are the, what is the good of all that? And so here, here's what I needed to hear. I remember hearing this. Every bit of pain or, or, or contraction, even though it seems like it's accomplishing nothing, is actually working to prepare the body to give birth to a baby. And so that's a pretty, you need, you need to hear that. You need to know that everything that is going on actually has a purpose instead of, okay, that was a pain that was totally wasted. If you're going to have pain, you really want to know that it matters, that it's growing you up. When you're in the gym and you're working out, the reason you will endure that athletic pain is because you know it's increasing your strength. If you don't know it's doing that, you know, not many of us would gravitate towards exercise. But the reason exercise pain is endured by us is because mentally we've been well-groomed in our American culture to know that's good for us. And so as a result, we can go through it. In our spiritual life, we have not been groomed to know that our difficulties and our attempts and our seeming failures are actually growing us stronger. When we pick that corn back up and go back up, we are defying the evil one. We are growing more muscular in our spiritual life every single round. And there's another group. For those of you that set down that grain of corn in the past because it seemed too heavy, it's sort of laying off to the side. And as I'm giving this message, you see it. The, high, the highlighter pen of God is upon it. And you're like, oh, there it is. Go back to that last point of obedience, that grain of corn, that last point of clarity, the cave of discouragement, and pick up that assignment afresh. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard is when you are feeling like you've lost that clarity in your spiritual life. You're just, you lost your compass somewhere along the line. You still believe that Jesus is the Savior, but for whatever reason, you feel like you're in a fog bank. Go back to the last point of obedience. That last cave of discouragement you were at, go back to it, straight at it. The devil wants to say, oh, stay away from that. Go right back to it and pick up the corn. You see, the devil wants to get you off your clear commission. He wants you stirred over here doing something nonsensical when God already gave you an assignment. Go back to that assignment. Pick up that corn. That's the best way to get back on the horse. The master pianist approach, the secret to the 70th attempt. So this is an unusual way to answer the question of giving you a secret to the 70th attempt. Now this guy isn't the most attractive character, I have to admit. Uh, Anton Rubinstein. Uh, but he's a master pianist from the 1800s. And uh, so I don't want you to grow up to look like him necessarily. I shouldn't have even included his picture because all it's going to do is scare you away from the quote. It's a really good quote. Uh, but listen to this. If I omit practice one day, I notice it. If two days, my friends notice it. If three days, the public notices it. A master pianist has to practice all the time. And if they lose that rhythm of exercising that movement upon the keys, they notice it. And here's what's interesting. If, if I could define 
out of my spiritual walk, there are certain things that have the most bang for the buck. You know, because I have one life to live. I have limited hours in every day. What causes the most oomph to enter my spiritual life? It's actually not what most people think. It's not just hanging out in a church. It's not just memorizing or studying. Those all have tremendous value. It's actually fellowship with Jesus Christ. And it's hard to describe what fellowship is, but it's spending time with him. It's being in his presence. It's prayer and communication back and forth. It's listening. And these are things that are ironically the hardest to do because in a busy culture, you deliberately have to do them. You don't accidentally have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You have to choose it. If you're a pianist or any type of art form that you participate in, you have to deliberately approach those keys in practice. And it's an exercise daily that you need to enter into. And one of the things that I think many of us are surprised by in our Christian life is that strong Christianity takes a tremendous amount of exertion. And it's a Practice is a strange way to describe it because we don't think of ourselves as pianists. And yet, I am a pianist spiritually, if you want to say it that way. And so the reason I have strength to do what I do is because I daily am going to cultivate and practice in my soul the things I know to be true. And as I do, it's amazing, but then I stay consistent. And here's the other interesting thing. I know if I miss a day of practice. I know. So it says, if I omit practice one day, I notice it. That, I mean, I so understand that. There, you know that one feeling? It's like the funk feeling where you're just off. And then you're off and your spouse notices it. Okay, that, look at the second one. If two days my friends notice it, you might as well just put my wife uh, notices it. And she's like, what's going on? And what's happened? Well, it's hard to describe, but some bomb hit my life, and it threw off my, my routine, my practice time, if you will. And it's interesting, because it's not just that I noticed it, because I was very aware of it. It's like, man, I'm just extra irritable today. You know, something's just not right. And then when your friends <laughs> and your family start noticing it, you recognize that there's a very quick breakdown that can take place in your spiritual life. But it's really bad when people on the outside begin to notice it. It's like, and that's exactly what will happen, though. A man or a woman who is sharp in the kingdom of heaven can actually lose that stride and lose that excellence because they didn't persevere. They didn't continue in what they knew to do. And so as a result, what you see, I'm going to flip this now into how we maintain that constancy is we go to that corn daily, whether we feel it or not, and we pick it up. One of the greatest secrets of my life is that I do not measure any of my movements on how I feel about them. That grain of corn sometimes is not attractive to me at all. I don't care. I know that I'm supposed to carry it. So, hey, on my back, let's start climbing. And the whole while I'm climbing, I have that whispering voice. This isn't doing any good. You know, you've carried this up 69 times. I don't care. I know what God's assignment is. Now, that's the raw underlayment to it. But when you actually obey, it's amazing that the grace of God will infuse you with the emotional support for it. I love what I do, okay? It's not some burden in that sense. However, there are times when I don't have the emotion associated with it, but I know I need to practice. 
I know I need to exercise what I know is true. Perseverance. Continuing to do something you know is right, even if you have failed 69 times prior in trying. There you go. That's what we need in our life. So let's go through a few tests. I'm going to call them the grain of corn tests. I'm going to give you four different ones that are clear in Scripture. When God asks us to keep going. So the Syrophoenician woman, I'm going to call this the Syrophoenician test. The Syrophoenician woman, sort of a funny name uh, for her, but uh, she comes to Jesus and is crying out for his attention. Remember, she's very irritating. And the disciples finally are like, can we send this woman away? And Jesus is silent in response to her doesn't even seem to acknowledge that she's there. She keeps begging. She keeps crying out, and finally he acknowledges her presence, and he says, look, woman, I didn't come for you. I came for the lost sheep of Israel. I don't know about you, but that would be enough for me to set down the grain of corn right there. And yet, she perseveres, and she says that even the dogs can grab the scraps from the table. So maybe you came to make a feast for the children of Israel, but... Can I eat the scraps off the table? And then he sees and he responds and he says, now that's some faith. That's what I'm looking for. You see, to persevere even when it appears God is silent, that's hard. And yet that's faith. How about this one? The Lazarus test when God appears to have forgotten. So what does Jesus say? This sickness will not end in death. That's what he's talking about, Lazarus' sickness. Then he leaves town. Can't you understand that it might appear that Jesus forgot what he said? Because he could easily, every other person in the Bible that, Jesus, that was sick that came to Jesus was healed. Except for one, and that's his good buddy, Lazarus. When God appears to have forgotten, he gives you an assignment, and he says, I'm going to provide for you. And then he leaves town. Uh, God, I remember you were supposed to provide for me. Now I'm in a real bind. Has he forgotten you? He hasn't. Keep carrying that corn. Don't set it down. Watch what God will do. The walking on water test, when the powers of the natural realm seem too powerful. So Peter gets out of the boat and is actually walking on water. There's someone other than Jesus that walked on water. It's profound when you think about it. And he's walking towards Jesus. He has a clear sense of calling. But then I always picture it as a Hawaiian surf wave is, is created. He sees, he turns and sees the natural realm and its power. And what happens? When he loses sight of Jesus, he immediately begins to sink. When you lose sight of the fact that your God created the heavens and the earth and he holds all of it in the hollow of his hand and he can control all natural elements any way he wishes, why would you fear a wind and a wave? if you knew your God. However, we will be tested by the fact that what we are called to do just seems impossible. Oh, little ant, that grain of corn is obviously too heavy for you because whenever you get to that one point, you drop it. So as a result, how about we just give up instead of saying, my God is the one that actually enables me to carry this. It is not based on my own natural ant ability. It is based on my God's ability to help me as an ant. And for all of us, we need to remember we will face this test and we need to remember how God has asked us to respond to it ahead of time. The cross test, when God seems to have failed. Now we know that the cross wasn't a failure, but what it looked like in the moment was a colossal failure. 
our Messiah is dead. <laughs> that isn't a good moment, okay? It is a great moment in history. It's a terrible moment if you're living live and in the moment. You're like, what just happened? I thought he said that he was the I am. I, do you remember all the miracles he did? What? His enemies are able to take him, crucify him, mock him, strip him naked, and he doesn't defend himself. And now he breathed his last. And sure, there was an earthquake, and that was really cool, but we just lost our Messiah. You see, what you have to remember in this test is that what the natural realm looks like and what it's boasting in the moment, it may look as if your God has failed. But in those darkest moments, your God is victorious. You just need to keep going. You need to keep carrying that grain of corn as he's assigned you to because even though it looks like all has gone south, our God is greater. Now imagine if you, you we know that Jesus is going to rise on the third day, right? We, we know the whole story. So imagine if you take that knowledge to the cross and someone's like, oh, oh no! What would you say to him? It's all right. What do you mean it's all right? It's all right. He's victorious. <laughs> what? What do you mean he's victorious? See, you see something. You can see that now. When you face one of those trials where it looks like defeat is staring you in the face and laughing at you, gloating, you can stare right back in the face and say, my God is victorious. How do you know that? You serve the living God who triumphs over the enemy. Dokimion. The process of proving sterling coinage and demonstrating it to be genuine without alloy. That's a big word, big definition. It's when you stick a metal into a hot fire, you prove what's in it. You prove if it's genuine metal. You see what its value and its worth is. God will walk us through dokimion on purpose. He will allow us to be tested. He will allow that grain of corn to fall. And then he watches. He says, do they have faith? So I gave a second definition here just to help you out. Or <laughs> the process of proving an ant to see if he will give up when the grain of corn falls on the 69th attempt. That's, that's a lot of attempts, guys. 69 attempts. Do you blame the character who, who just gives up on the 69th attempt? I mean, that, that's hard. When you get it up there to the top, oh, you were almost there and the grain of corn fell. Oh, as the ant, you just, that's enough. That's enough. I mean, I can understand, but this is where the dokimion comes in. Oh, little ant, do you have faith? Oh, little ant, are you willing to pick it up and go a 70th try? Oh, little ant, don't give up now. We're being measured. We're being proven. Dokimion is in process. James says, knowing this, the trying of your faith, the dokimion to your faith works patience. It is actually strengthening you. Every trip up this high wall is actually strengthening you as you stare down. You're the high ant. You're way up there on the wall. You look down and you see that grain of corn all small on the ground, way down below. It's trying you right now. What are you made of? Because you, now you have to journey all the way back, all the way over on the dirt floor, pick up that grain of corn, go all the way back up, and even risk the fact that it may fall again. And keep going. Oh, dokimion. It's working something in you, and patience is a very, very precious item in the soul. I had to say the writer of Hebrews. You notice I'm sticking the, the names of the writers over there, and when you get to Hebrews, it sort of messes up your little system, so I had to say the writer of Hebrews. Uh, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. 
let us keep going up this high wall without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that has asked you to take that corn and carry it up to the top. Just keep going. Don't give up now. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. If any man, here's our translation for us today, set down that grain of corn and give up. If any man draw back, my soul doesn't have any pleasure in that. God has pleasure in faith, in seeing us freshly resolved to say, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do because I trust that he is able to do it. I feel weak, but he is strong. So as we close, I want us to just spend some time allowing the Spirit of God to touch this exact arena of our life. All of us are unique. We all have unique trials. We all have unique circumstances. However, the truth of God's word touches each of us in the way we need it to be touched. So he knows how to speak the language of our soul. Even though Eric Ludy shares a message, talks about a grain of corn, a high wall, you know what that means to you. I don't know what it means to you. I know what it means to me. To me, it's an issue of Leslie and I and how we're approaching our family in this next season. To me, it's how I approach this ministry with a fresh resolve to say, okay, we've had a lot of discouragement. We've had a lot of heartache. We've had a lot of challenge. I'm carrying the corn. I'm not giving up now. I know what my calling is. God has not changed it. So if he wants to change it, that's his business. But he hasn't changed it, which means I know what I'm supposed to do. And even if it's tough and wow, that grain of corn's further away now than it was before, I know what to do. Do you know what to do? So as the body of Christ, I want us to freshly rally our souls around the truth of God's kingdom and what faith is and the fact that our persistence in faith is one of the greatest things that he takes pleasure in. He loves to see his people not just reach the top of the wall, but to be willing to go back down that high wall and pick up that grain of corn afresh. <laughs> that doesn't seem like we all, especially being North American, we look at it getting to the high wall and getting that accomplished, getting the corn done and checking it off our list. Now that's something God takes pleasure in. Actually, God is measuring our, the movements of our soul, not the external successes we have. You see, when we're thrown into prison for righteousness sake, when we suffer for doing good, when we are spat upon, He's watching our response. He's watching how our soul will smile back at it. And even though in the natural realm, all our popularity points are in the dirt, that's what God takes pleasure in when he sees us rise up in faith and say, God, I trust you right now. God, stick that corn on my back right now. I'm willing to do this for you. I'm willing to suffer for your sake. I'm willing to be denied the earthly pleasures and comforts for your sake. That's what he takes pleasure in. It's, it's like a very different system. Let's make sure we remember his system and not the American system. Let's pray. Father, we need your Holy Spirit to search us, to try us, to reveal to us if there is a grain of corn that we have set down, something that you have assigned to us that we have given up on. Lord, I just want to say afresh to you personally. I trust you. I thank you for reminding me, for giving me a fresh grace to continue.
because this job is impossible for me. But with you, all things are possible. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Lord, may all of us freshly ratify this reality. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we ask this. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.